podcast you are currently listening to is called Bad Playstyle, in which we all play the same video game and then talk about it, during the course of which we will swear a ton and probably spoil every single aspect of the video game. Welcome to Bad Playstyle. My name is Matt. Uh, I am joined by Owen, say a noise. Hey. Keenan, do a StarCraft. I, yeah, something need doing. Okay. Uh, I, I was going to go with, like, with the sounds you were making, I was really hoping for a Jatakazul, but that's okay. Um, there, was a, there was a moment I thought about a Zergling noise. <laughs> yeah, you kind of made, like, it's great because you made, like, nervous, like, Protoss probe noises. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was gonna be like, is he doing one of the robots? Like, what's going on? Uh, anyway, um, we played uh, this time around on this uh, book club podcast where we spoil everything. Uh, this this wonderful it. little um, indie game uh, called Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, uh, and we are going to rip and tear until what is it? Nothing's left, or I don't know. Until the, the bad standards are done, yeah. Yeah. The bad yeah. <laughs> That's what Samuel Hayden's always saying. He's always talking about the bad standards. Yeah, that's what Satan's always saying. But um, uh, but before we do that, there's um, there's there's things uh, that need to be accomplished. And a oh boy, has it been a hot minute since the last time we recorded. So do mm-hmm. your best, but also don't lose. Don't lose. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'm going first. Okay, Owen's going first. Hey, I didn't lose. <laughs> uh, hey. Uh, what have I been playing last week or so? Um, I started playing Dwarf Fortress again. Damn. Um, what's that going for you? It's annoying. What? <laughs> um, there's I, a really good Twitter thread about it. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess if you follow me on Twitter, you can you can see a Twitter thread about like dumb shit that's been happening to me. Um, I set my fort up n- apparently close to well, not that close to. Okay. In the first year of my fortress, I got an alert. I got this message. The game pauses and there's a pop-up window, which only happens in Dwarf Fortress under like a handful of circumstances. And I've been away from the game for like a year or so, maybe two years. Whenever we did our Dwarf Fortress episode, that's the last time I played Dwarf Fortress. Okay. Um, so I've literally never, ever seen this dialogue window pop open before. And it says that the nearby town was conquered and that they are now looking around for future targets and it does not say like who they are or like what the fuck is going on oh man it's like a nameless warning yeah um i don't have it right in front of me although i do have a screenshot of it saved somewhere but like it basically just tells me that like yo someone might come fuck with you Mm -hmm. which is like a really great message to just get in a video game (laughs) especially one with as much like emotional attachment as dwarf fortress yeah well and the fact that it's like an actual um uh a little pop-up dialogue because dwarf fortress as far as i can tell only does that when um a siege has come when you have breached the adamantine underneath your fortress and the hidden fun stuff happens yeah and when you first mine adamantine for the first time when you mine adamantine for the first time, there's a pop-up dialogue that says, praise the miners, you've struck adamantine. Um, and so I got this, like, fucking shit-ass dialogue that just says, like, some nerds might attack you soon. And I'm like, I'm doing my little fortress life. Like, like I start my game, and I dig a little rat hole, and I put my dwarves inside with their food, and then I start building a real fortress. 
And it was right as we were migrating our resources from the little rat hole into the proper fortress mm-hmm. that the servants of a necromancer arrived. Jesus. Um, it was the, the first wave wasn't so bad. It was like eight dudes, mostly undead crossbowmen with no eyes. Um, but then he had these experiments with him. And if you go into their description, it says that these were made when he began, like, each one says he was experimenting on, like, a different type of animal, which, like, sucks. <laughs> it's like, this this thing, um... All right, so here's an example. A hairy maggot. It has thin wings on stretched skin. Its charcoal hair is long and wavy. This night creature was first created accidentally by the human necromancer, Justras Domain Champions of the Whip Group. After the horrible experiments gone wrong, on pigs in Power Tower in the year 110. Oh, yeah, they're all from Power Tower. This yes. fucking rules. He's like an 80s metal necromancer so, in my head. So so here's the thing is, like, when I go to the unit screen and I go to other, it says that there's six experiments of Power Tower, like, just hanging out. <laughs> um, I just imagine him in full Twisted Sister makeup and outfit in yeah, his right? tower. Some, like, D. Snyder-looking motherfucker. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, a maggot with hair out of a pig. <laughs> yeah, and, like, some of them are from horses, and and it it sucks. Um, <laughs> it sounds a bit like, like um, the Forgotten Beast system, but, like, tuned down a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's almost like you started on Halloween week and election week was the next week yeah, and Dwarf Fortress knew. <laughs> I started playing for Dwarf Fortress the week of Halloween and I got what I fucking deserved. Um, and so like I did what any um, responsible fortress manager would do, which is draft the population of the entire fortress into a squad and just like tell them to charge in unarmed. Um, Cause like what else can you do? Sure. Um, so massive casualties, but we drove away the necromancer's, like weak first offering. Mm-hmm. Um, the necromancer has since returned twice with like larger and larger forces. Also, we got a goblin siege at one point. That was pretty fucking annoying. So like we, so we when, you say, go- when you say the necromancer has returned, like he's not coming here. Personally. No, he is not personally coming. Just okay. our parties. Yeah. And here's what's worse is if they kill wildlife or other things, they can reanimate them. Great. Um, so, like, when they show up, like, we all go underground, we close the doors, and they just chill outside, and we can't gather trees or water, but, like, we can mostly kind of get along underground. And then they just chill topside, and if anyone shows up, they just kill them and make them undead. And it's, like, super annoying. <laughs> so, like, caravans show up, and they're like, this is uh-huh. ours now. Yeah, 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 yeah basically. And uh, so, at, at one point, um, the experiments of Power Tower, these six-legged maggot monsters... Um, Wait, they're all maggots? Um, they are all multi-legged. Some okay. of them are maggots. Okay, all right. Um, anyway, it also says they have trunks. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if they mean their chest or what's up. Yeah, that's a little bizarre, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, they show up with a bunch of experiments of Power Tower, and the experiments of Power Tower give birth. What? <laughs> and so they, they have like horrible mutant babies. Here's oh, no. the interesting part is on the unit listing, the experiments of Power Tower are listed as like invaders or hostile or something like that. Um, however, the um, experiments of Power Tower's offspring are listed as friendly. Not wild animals, like like a raven outside. Not yeah. um, Not undead, 
like the other members of the undead forces, not not anything else. They're just chilling. And they're so friendly because like they were born on your plot. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and they haven't been like indoctrinated or something. They're natives. It's fine. Yeah. And so um, what happens with sieges is uh, oftentimes, after a long enough time, they'll leave. And that's what happened is this this besieging army left. They did not take the native experiments of power tower that are born on our soil. So there's these like abominations that live on my plot now. <laughs> and the other, the hostile experiments of power tower, when they arrive, they look at those and they say like, yeah, that's cool. You fam. Like, we're not going to fight. We're not going to make you dead. <laughs> um, they're, they're just like leaving this, like the remnants on your doorstep. Constantly. Yeah, they're like this fucking weird neutral party, and every once in a while, one of them will like pass off the map, and they don't come back, and like that's fine. But like, clean up your fucking caviar, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's like mutants live at my base. Yeah. Um, it's Welcome really... to soaked walls. Enjoy our garden of terror. Uh... Yeah, and I, I've done some like kind of cheesy things because like I, I've I've been like under almost constant siege. Um, that I, I very rarely get to go to the surface and like get water and logs and things like that. So I've done some like save scummy type stuff. Dwarf Fortress doesn't let you load, but you can force quit the game. And then when you boot the game up, it'll go from whatever the last time you saved was. And so I've made a number of attempts to like kill the invaders through like various means, but the experiments of power tower are powerful. Um, as their name might suggest, they yeah. um, they seem to be either flying or have trap avoid. Those um, experiments go to eleven. Trap avoid is a trait that makes it so when you step on traps, they don't go off. Um, they're undead armies. If I let them through my trap corridor, everything dies except for the experiments of power tower. They're unscathed and they are <laughs> hard to fight. <laughs> cool. So what you're saying is you have a very hardy underground door fortress. Yeah, it's also, like, really miserable because, like, dwarves have been injured in the line of duty, like, a lot dealing with these situations. And when dwarves are injured, they can't drink alcohol. They can only drink water. Mm, and we don't have yeah. a water source because we don't have access to the surface. And, and I don't feel like, like breach... not drinking alcohol. Well, and I don't feel like breaching our cave system because that's just, like, a whole different can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> there might be an undertower you have to deal with. Yeah. So there's there's one last thing I want to get to that, that I think is of particular note in this playthrough is that one of the times that they showed up, they did the thing where they kill all the wildlife on the map and make them undead, right? Mm -hmm. And then they left, but they didn't bring their undead animals with them. So there was a undead echidna just hanging out on the map. <laughs> like knuckles? Very, yes, a very small creature. Very small creature. Um, and I did the save scummy thing. Because I was like, all right, well, I'm going to put together a squad of dwarfs and they're going to go kill it. They can't fucking scratch this thing. It's fucking massacring them. And like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. They're hitting it. But but something about its undead traits, that, that it's not an animated skeleton maybe, I don't fucking know. But they can't fucking dent it. And I like force close my game and reopen. It's like, all right, let's try something else. So finally, I just dropped the Euchidna into a pit, like with a retracting bridge. And he just lives here now in the pit. And invaders will sometimes get dropped in the pit with the Rancor. By the way, the Rancor is an undead Euchidna. <laughs> um, hold on. Have one you named it? I, I don't get to. It, okay. it won't let me. Uh, and my dwarves have not named it. Okay. All right. One more thing, though. The um, In my fortress, at one point, I got a migration, which is very welcome, because I had taken heavily, heavy casualties dealing with this fucking headache necromancer. Um and dwarves started dying left and right in the fortress. So I was like, ah, shit, we got a we got a vampire, a dwarf vampire. Such things happen. And 
vampires are really annoying to find. They have like tendencies in their background, but there's no hard and fast rules for identifying them. Um, the only perfect way to identify a vampire in Dwarf Fortress is to make a copy of the directory that your Dwarf Fortress save is in and then abandon your fortress in that copy and then view the legends and you can just look up who the vampire is. Oh, because they'll live way longer. Well, yeah. no, 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 no. Like you can just like legit look up um, the name of a dwarf who you are certain died to a vampire and it'll tell you the name of the vampire who killed them. And oh, then you can okay. look up their vampire. And if you read the profile, it'll say, and then they joined the, this town in on this date under this false name. And it's like, cool, 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 cool. So anyway, because I'm a scumbag, um, I, I cheated and looked up the vampire because I'm like, I'm at my wit's end with all this shit. Like, like things have been, this, this whole game's been a fucking headache. Um, I finally figure out the vampire. I draft him into a military squad. I go tell him to stand on the trapdoor bridge by himself. And I drop him down there with the Euchidna and he fights the Euchidna for like two or three months and then eventually dies. And the, the Euchidna is still good? What's, oh yeah, the Euchidna is fine. Excellent. He is, he, Excellent. The Euchidna has like minor wounds from from when he first showed up and then has like received no damage since then. Like not from the drop, not from fighting a vampire for weeks. I mean, um, it helps being covered in spikes, man. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> so Dwarf Fortress, man, like that game's that game's still great. That game's just, <laughs> it's just fucking something. Anyway, that's, that's 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 the cool thing I've been playing. That's my great story. Oh, also, I captured a goblin lord when the goblins came. That was pretty great. I have him in a cage somewhere. Fuck. Probably feed him to the Euchidna. This is how fortresses become warlord domains. Mm-hmm. There's constant attacks from a bunch of assholes until you're tired of everyone's shit. Well, it's hard because I can't smelt metal because I don't have access to magma right now, and I don't have access to the surface, which means I don't have logs to make fuel. Um, so, like, we made a bunch of... So, you know, I mentioned, like, taking out the undead attackers was, like, pretty easy, except for the experiments. It's because I just made, like, 60 silver warhammers, silver being the heaviest metal you can forge weapons out of. And and the, the material weight of the metal you make a blunt weapon out of affects its damage. So, like, the best weapons in Dwarf Fortress, period, are silver warhammers. Um, and undead, I believe, are immune to piercing but take extra damage from blunt weapons or something like that in dwarf fortress i got a few things i have been doing last minute wrap up before the destiny 2 expansion hits next week um there's a lot of content going away so i've been doing a bunch of that and that's been really weird going into stuff i've done maybe 50 times and realizing like i won't see this for a while um it's a weird feeling that i've never had in a video game of like this is the last time i'm gonna do this for a while weird um so that was that was an interesting experience and i'm very excited yeah usually you only catch the uh the other end of that but you realize you haven't played it for a while right right normally it's just like oh i haven't been in this dungeon in forever and now i'm like walking through dungeons and being like i won't see this for i don't know how long yeah <laughs> um so so that's a weird new video game experience and i'm really excited they've put out a lot of cool hype material and it's the first time i've been like actually hyped on a game launch of any kind for a long time so it's kind of nice having that that excitement. Uh, it's, it's another expansion, right? Yeah, it's another expansion. They're dropping a new planet. They're ditching four planets, so the game is literally like cutting itself in half as far as hard drive space. Mm, um, okay. But uh, they're, I think I've mentioned before that that basically after the split with Activision, 
Bungie has been able to go back to doing what they want to do with their game. Um, I have a I have a conspiracy theory of my own that the Destiny 2 main campaign, which is basically a Call of Duty war, um, exists because Activision wanted it. And that once Activision left, all the content they started building is stuff that starts answering questions they raised in Destiny 1. Mm-hmm. So we're finally getting into like the spooky darkness in space. And the big thing that's going to happen on Europa, which is the new zone we're getting, is that we are going to get darkness spooky powers that are all ice-based. Um, and those look incredibly fun. And there's a lot of cool dumb weapons they're putting in. And Destiny lore is really fucking cool. Um, that's all I need to say about Destiny. <laughs> uh, Noita hit 1.0 last week, I want to say. And Noita is this really cool dungeon roguelike game where you play a wizard who gets two wands going in. One is usually like a, a quick offensive spell of some sort that like shoots across your screen. And the other one is usually like a bomb spell or something that will tear apart some of the terrain for you. Um, and the whole game is on, there's different biomes, a lot like uh, Spelunky, where like there's a large enough space that goes down far enough, and then there's a portal you hop into that goes to a temple, and there's like a shop there, and then you jump into the next zone and keep going. Um, and at each level, there's a bunch of different villains or enemies to deal with. But the big thing that's crazy about Noita is that Noita does this insane pixel by pixel physics everything. So, like, you'll run into, like, a, a, an open pit full of oil. And if you manage to light it on fire, it all lights on fire and burns away. Um, if, you're, if that at all sounds curious, check out some videos of Noita, because it's really fucking beautiful when things are on fire in that game. Um, that game's really cool. I'm really bad at it, so I die a lot and don't really get anywhere near the objectives that I'm not sure exist. Uh, but I, I have watched a few videos, and apparently there are objectives in the game. Um, <laughs> uh, it's mostly just to jump in and, and let, see how I'm going to light myself on fire or die in a terrible pit of acid simulator, and it's great. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to talk about way more, well, two things. Uh, I, I saw a friend of ours playing GTFO, and it turns out that GTFO is exactly my industrial sci-fi horror shit um so i picked that up that's the like four player horror you can't fuck around cooperative game right it's the game that the cool guys from payday one and two left (laughs) to make yeah okay um but but yeah it's uh really really hard like that game it's early access warning is that hey this game is really hard don't buy it if you don't want to struggle um because it is incredibly unforgiving and very much a game where you get in it and and just expect pain. Um, it's a game. Uh, it 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 reacts uh, very harshly anytime you don't play it carefully, and it's a game that's very much a survival horror game in that it's about resources and dealing with dealing with the scary things in front of you. And then the really interesting thing about the game is that it functions on this rotating offering sort of system. So they have what they call rundowns that happen like every two months. And every rundown is going to be a different set of missions into this pit in the ground that you are all excavating and finding resources in. Is it, is it a bit like the deep dives in Dwarf Fortress or in uh, a Deep Rock Galactic? 
Yes, but imagine that you don't have a regular map. Um, that that the only thing that is available right now is Rundown 004, and there are specific missions to that that have mostly the same parameters. Like, for instance, the map will be the same, but what is in the map will randomly generate. Okay. Um, so it creates a really interesting situation where, like, your goals are the same, and maybe the things you have to go find are going to be in the same areas-ish, but maybe, like, a room or two away from each other. And then the whole game is basically built around, like, try not to wake up the monsters because they will swarm the shit out of you, and you probably don't have enough to deal with them. Um, so you run around with your hammer, and you hit a bunch of them with a hammer and hopefully don't wake any of them up. And then sometimes you accidentally have to go dynamic and everything goes bad and you lose at the end of the mission because, holy shit, that was insane. Uh, but you, it's, it's fun to lose, right? It's, it's fun to lose in the same way Dwarf Fortress is fun to lose because you, you learn something, but you also like get this fun, exciting experience through it. Cool. Um, and that's really neat. And then today I tried out, after finishing our podcast game, I tried out the tutorials for Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. Oh, gosh. You just reminded um, me I bought that game like a month ago and then forgot about it. Yeah, so that's kind of where I was at looking at my stuff today. It's a real-time strategy Battlestar Galactica game that happens during the first Cylon War. Okay, so is it, it when you say real-time strategy, uh, is it Actually, like, it's turn-based. Is it, in, is it in outer space? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's ships in space. Okay. Yeah, um, it's, it's, yeah it's like a naval combat. Game, but the, the video games need more naval combat in outer space. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool on that front. It has really good, like, simple UI stuff, but I can see that there's, like, a lot of systems crunch going on in what it's doing. But the thing that I'm really excited about that I haven't gotten into is that, like, the reason this game is well-reviewed and the reason this game has been around and going as long as it has is because apparently they, like, really put narrative into it um, in a way that I'm actually, like, excited to get into because, like, basically the community around this game waits for each expansion to come out because it's like a whole campaign and they do all kinds of storytelling in it. And it's apparently really interesting. And well, so they, they did the thing that no one ever does where like a game comes out and they say, Hey, do you want to buy the season pass? And the premise that the, the, the implicit statement on saying that there's a season pass is that there will be more than one season. Right. And there right. never is. Right. But this game is the opposite. The, and the, there's the, like seven of them already. Yeah. Yeah. They've done several, several, several seasons, several campaigns that have been released for the same RTS, which is fucking cool. Yeah. And so like those all exist at a level of like 10 to $15 each. And uh, that's cool. I'm yeah, super like, into that. I mean, you you know, around the uh, the bad play style water cooler, we are very much into video games as a um, event. Yeah. 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 So. Um, and, and it has it has kind of homeworld vibes to it, the way the movement works. There's a there's a lateral and an up down and a facing every time you choose how a ship's moving. So there's sort of that uh, the same thing of like homeworld kind of blew my brain up at the time of forcing you to think ahead about like what's going to happen. Well, it's, it's like homeworld versus flotilla because it's all about it's all about facing yeah. and broadsides and shit. Like yeah. That. yeah. 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 So. But it, it, it like it echoes in that way that feels really cool. Um, yeah, it's it's neat so far. Uh, like oh, I gosh. said, I've only done the tutorials, so I don't really have a whole lot to say about Keenan, it. Keenan, but... if you go to the Battlestar Deadlock Steam Points shop, you can get the little badges for the different ranks as emoticons. Yeah, yeah I already got them. They're tight. Oh, all right. 
or I was about to get them, but it said I don't own the game yet because I hadn't played it for two hours or at all. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're still in the refund window. Yeah, which you can't, you can't, smart move on Steam's part. You can't buy a game, get yeah. it bullshit, and refund it. Okay, so I agree with you in, in principle, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an amendment. They won't let you buy something with Steam points through the Steam shop for a game that you own that you've played less for than two hours, but you have owned long enough that you can't refund it. Right. Okay. I've run into that. And that, that one just annoyed me. It's like, you're just being a rules dick. Give me my emoticons. Like, yeah. And like I, it, I was looking at like some of the store content for this game. It looks like it eventually reaches into second Cylon war. Okay. Cause there's an expansion that is just modern ships. Okay. I mean, so I have like, no idea gonna, what that means. If you're going to keep building on this game, that's inevitably where it goes. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, Matt, what you been playing? Uh, hmm. I'm sure there's some shit lost in the shuffle here, but um, uh, I have been struggling with the concept of why to do things that are fun um, because I can no longer extract positive feeling brain chemicals from doing things that were previously pleasurable um, unless other people are there a little bit um so that is to say i have been playing a clicker in order for the time to not go slow and then i've been playing due process with youtube yeah okay, okay. Um, and that so the clicker is like the regular endorphin drip that does nothing for you it no it makes the time not go slow got it like it doesn't actually speed up time but it makes the time not go slow right so right the, um, the numbers flying by makes it feel better Nope, it makes nope. it not okay. feel bad. Okay, okay, I'll I'll quit trying to understand. <laughs> um, I I just um, it's you're not the things you're saying aren't wrong, but you're right. not framing them correct. It's not the same. I get it. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, uh, but due process is cool. Yeah. Uh, it's the first time I've enjoyed a multiplayer shooter in probably like ten years. Um, so that's cool. There was that one moment where I sidestepped like six of Brian's shots in a row when we were playing that cowboy game um, at a land party. That was hilarious. <laughs> I just like zigzagged at him at the right cadence and he couldn't fucking shoot me. And then I just hatcheted him. It was great. That's um, a good moment, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't enjoyed multiplayer shooters except for due process, which is exactly what I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I really like... I, enjoy, I I like the concept of Rainbow Six, but I would never want to play it. The skill the skill ceiling uh, or the skill floor is just much too high, um, and there's too many things to think about. Um, in due process, I really like that there just really aren't that many factors to think about. Nope. But it's enough that your hands are full. It you know I ha it's interesting because I was thinking about due process today when I was at work, um, and I was thinking that like so this game is in like early access right now like like yeah. it's in it's in publicly available early access it's not the like weird clothes thing they're doing before but it's not a finished game and presumably we're going to see like more things put into it because in the alpha there were more features that have been pulled out for like polish before they put mm -hmm. them back in sure and i actually got kind of bummed thinking about like how like they're going to make the game more complicated and i do love just how pure the pure it is i i I think by the time that happens, 
it'll probably be so slow. And in my mind, the types of things we'll see is probably an increase in variety of like map tiles. So one of the things that got taken out is a riot shield and they've stated, I believe that they want to put that back in. Okay. Um, and so I believe that's like a Counter-Strike 1.6 riot shield where it's pistol and shield. Right. Um, and then the shield is invulnerable um, on its front face. And then the other one that I'm not as confident about, although there's part of me that still wants them to put it back in, is the shopping cart technical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a, a standard steel grocery store shopping cart filled with sandbags with like a heavy machine gun on top. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the meta will have to adjust to those things yeah but yeah what, what, what i'm hoping for and i have no idea if this is the case is um i would love it if on um let's say you start up a set of matches of due process if it would um decide arbitrarily this one you don't get the super automatic shotgun this one you get the shopping cart technical oh okay yeah that'd actually be really cool if the weapons were somewhat randomized yeah yeah like, like kind of like the way um playing different PUBG maps means like different guns and different vehicles right 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 because you still want the roughly the enforcers to have like an advantage of equipment but then the criminals to have the advantage of like knowing the lay of the land and well i think the uh the criminals weapons by and large do more damage which is why it's really devastating when the cops get them because the crims have 50 fewer hit points so a lot of the a lot of the crims guns used on crims is just like just cruel it's like a war crime uh that, that game is asymmetrical in some really subtle ways that are really interesting yeah like the if you have the criminal super sniper rifle it can one shot crims like anywhere on the body or something like that but on cops it needs to be like upper body and head uh yeah it, whatever we're getting into like the weeds of, of due process here well, I mean, it was the only game I talked about, so yeah. But, yeah. Also, all three of us played it, so yeah. But there, there's a part of me that's like a little bit trepidatious about them adding more shit to it, because just because like I love it the way it is right now, and I don't want it. It's in a good state. I mean, I'll put it this yeah. way: the the game that Due Process is, re- is replacing for me right now is a game that slowly drifted away from what I wanted it to be. Yeah. You know, like like th- this is my PUBG replacement, and PUBG like they just kept adding shit in a way that was like not awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. The game. Where the water tastes like wine. Um, so I think we should start this game by talking about our experience playing it in sort of a broad sense of like where we were at uh, and like when we were playing it and for how long and like that kind of thing. Does that sound good to you guys? Sure. Okay. First, we should so, talk about what it is. Oh, you always do this and I love it. Um, (laughs) So where the water tastes like wine. Oh, and this is your responsibility. uh, Uh, Where the water tastes like wine is a game where um, I I guess just to describe that the the opening narrative of the game is you, you play a card, a game of cards with a wolf and you lose and he claims your soul and strips your flesh from your bones and commands you to walk the lands of the United States and gather the stories of the land and to find like, this sort of like weird truth of the United States that the, you know, the, the, the American dream is like kind of a lie and, and to like really get at like what, what's really there underneath and bring it back to him. And what the, the game consists of mechanically is basically um, 
like an atlas map of the U.S. and you're like a little monopoly piece that walks across it from town to town. Um, and you in, sort of randomly encounter like weird little events and stories and you have to sort of hunt down these, I think it's 16, right? 16 characters? Yeah. 16 storytellers? Yeah. Four by four. Four by four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And each of them is like, like the little stories you run into are like little one-off whatevers, but like these people are like very carefully authored personalities and stories and backgrounds. And when you meet them, they'll tell you about themselves, but then they also want you to tell them stories that like, that relate to their bailiwick. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that either uh, relate to their experiences or suit their needs. That sometimes the people you run into might be very unhappy people and they want stories about hope. Or they are people who want adventure and they want stories about ghosts and shit like that. And if you, if you, if you exchange stories with them well enough, they progress like on, on like sort of a little progression track. And if you get them all the way to the end, you've completed that character. And once you've gathered all these characters, the game seems to end. Is that a good description, or am I forgetting anything? No. Uh, I mean, you're forgetting that all the characters are needy little bitches, and they refuse to define the stories well enough, and it was constantly fun. No, no, never mind. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Um, no, like, uh, uh, you you talking about this is bringing up feelings that I felt, uh, like, a while ago that I had forgotten about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, so I played this game primarily in the long stretches of my day, my day where the children are in class and I have nothing to do. Um, I played it with one earphone in so I could listen to the sweet music um, and, you know, just tap in those little whistle keys, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get from place to place. I have a deep and abiding hatred um, in my lizard brain that has been implanted by this game of all American mid-continental rivers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like rivers near to the coast, you and me are cool. Like Columbia river. We're all good. Ohio river. I will never forgive you <laughs> for what you have hey, done. Like the Columbia um, river is also just a cool river. It's just, like, you know, you're, you're correct. Right. Like the, yeah. the, the, the Columbia river. Great. Ohio river could suck a fat fart out of my ass. Um, the Colorado river can literally go to hell and die. Um, so that, that, that is long too. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. What I just want to say is most of it's not even in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jerry Springer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, that's that's how I played this game, was just in long, intractable sequences of nothing happening at work. Um, yeah, it was very, it was a very, um, I think, apropos situation. Um, yeah. I, um, I want to preface this by just saying I ultimately like this game. But I did find it to be unbelievably tedious at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I wound up doing a lot of the time is either like getting high or sitting on my beanbag chair with my phone out and like not paying attention to the game for long stretches as my character like trudges across the map. Yeah. And then and then like looking up from time to time, it's like, oh man, my guy got snagged on geometry again. Like, all right, whatever. Like, I guess steer him. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember there was a period of time where I searched around for a trainer for this game, or mm-hmm. like a, or like a hack, not to change my progress in the game or receive items or stories just, that just I had run faster to, to just speed molt the yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. 
that would have that would have alleviated so much tension between me and the gameplay because I was enjoying parts of telling I, the stories. I, yeah. I think I like almost every single individual component of this game, mm -hmm. but I don't think any of it comes together like super well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, Keenan. So. Uh, at first, I really, really struggled playing this game. I played it in like 10 or 12, I lost track, 20-minute sections. And uh, that was all I could take. Because before this week, I was in an existential state that was very difficult. And I did not want to play a game that wasted my time. Uh, <laughs> I think is the way I'll put it. Um, that That... I already am in a state of being unemployed and frustrated by that and et cetera, that the sort of treadmill this game created was not a mirror I enjoyed. Um, I eventually pushed through and I talked with Owen some and Owen said, oh yeah, just second screen the game. And I was like, oh shit, okay. So I've watched a shitload of Clone Wars while playing this game. Um, I've watched a shitload of videos on YouTube because like there's so many stretches of nothing in this game um uh i i can echo owen's sentiment i i loved everything about this game except the gameplay um is, is the way i feel about it um the the art is a fucking fantastic the music is insanely good uh you mentioned the the whistling mini game that to this day i still don't understand because the tutorial told me hit control I hit control. He whistles one note and the thing stops. So I don't know what the fuck that is or I, how I, it works. I, I suspect on PC you're supposed to hit arrow keys to match whatever note because it puts up a little X grid above your character. I I agree. I am sure that is true. The game did not tell me that, so I refuse to do it. You, you have to hold control and, yeah, hit the arrow keys. It, yeah. it did not. So like so a lot I, of things, it did not explain that. Clearly. So I, I was playing it on Switch. So like my control setup was like a little different. It also only gave me the prompt to whistle about eight hours into the game, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I don't know what the fuck that's about. It was yeah. like, like that, that just seems like a straight up, like this is something you would have told me in like the first like 20 or 30 minutes of yeah. the game. Like, I, I, I remember very distinctly getting like a full blown like tutorial at the bottom of the screen telling me how to do all this shit. So, I don't yeah, know. It, yeah. Like, I legit like two thirds of the way through the game got my first like little dialogue from. I was like, oh yeah, here's how you whistle. And I was like, oh cool. And then I like, I, I did like a mental calculus. It's like, would I rather walk slightly faster and dedicate 100% of my attention to this game? Or would <laughs> I rather walk slower and look at my phone? That was the other reason I didn't give a fuck about that mechanic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I dragged myself through this game by way of other things. Uh, but, but the times where I did pay attention and engage with the storytelling and the storytellers, I enjoyed. Um, I, I think there's some really interesting things going on both like under the hood in a systemic way and also like sussing out what the stories were and what they would become. Yeah. Was, that, was, that was fun to think about. Um, uh, I, I will tell you, like, don't go find the only guy who has a full playlist of, of videos on YouTube of this game because he's insufferable. <laughs> and when he runs into Paul Bunyan, he doesn't know who fucking Paul Bunyan is. Um, I found it remarkable that Paul Bunyan was in this game. Yeah, that like like he is in a, a figure of American folklore that I thought this game would be completely 
like opposed to like Paul Bunyan is that like American exceptionalism type folklore, right? God, he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. no, he, he, he's a singular man who squares his shoulders against the wilderness and tames America for Americans. There, and like, that so is like things like that, that like I have to recontextualize as an adult that yeah. like, I hadn't, you just did that for me. And like, Oh wow. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the Paul Bunyan made the grand Canyon and he made the great plains by chopping down all the trees and this and that. Yeah. Um, yeah. th this is what I get for reading children's books for a living. Um, is, is, is <laughs> yeah, you, you read these same books over and over and over. You get a lot of time to think about like what they fucking mean and what they are actually trying to instill in children. I really like how, uh, how the story start is this like weird thing that happens to you and then mm -hmm. and then throughout the game people just add dumb bullshit to it i i my favorite is when you talk to the uh the huck finn story looking dude uh and he's like hey you hear the story and you're like that happened to me and he's like fuck you yeah yeah, yeah. or the lady <laughs> with her kid and she's like nah the kid likes mine better and you're like yeah. mm. uh and, and like those things uh would normally be fine for me, but in a game where I feel like I have no agency, which I think is a, a beautiful gameplay mechanic for what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, or, or it's, it's, like, it's like, it's like very narratively in line. Yes. It's narratively in line with the fact that we've been enslaved to tell and understand stories um, that, that like that, that sort of barb that the game throws at me was frustrating in that, I'm already mad at you and you're going to be a dick to me about it. Um, well, like the whole game seems designed to evoke a particular kind of mental state. Um, and then, and then allude to a particular kind of um, societal sort of like ennui, um, and which and, I was already like bathing in and yeah, which we're all like, we're all <laughs> neck deep in. Right. But I think like, the, the the simple and mean way I could say this, which is not what I want to say, but I don't have any other words, is they forgot to make it fun. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, this game has a lot of cool things to say, and it says it in a really cool and interesting way. And there's, like, cool mystery to it all. And, and walking between these different points and having to chase these animal spirits down uh and 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 suss out which stories are are horrible and which stories are hopeful and and figure that out and like load up your shit and 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 go into the the storytelling the bull sesh loaded down with your best stories like that is very carefully in my eye designed to evoke certain mental states and certain ways of thinking and certain um, modes of uh, 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 imbibing information, but but the moment to moment gameplay of walking between these uh, these positions while vital is not fun. <laughs> right, there's right. there's the regular gameplay grind of the stories and the building yeah. your stories up and the using your stories in those in those encounters, and that's like a fine gameplay grind. The problem is that the interstitial in between it is long and feels incredibly pointless. And, and it, 
it, it's it's not entirely without purpose. Like I I think That's I what I was just saying it's it's totally like on purpose, right? Yeah. Like I, yeah, like I it, it's one of those things where like I can almost painfully see what they're like aiming at. Yeah. Um. Like 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 one thing for for example is, that I think is very relevant to what I view this game's objectives as is America is huge and it feels mm. huge and it feels spacious and it makes and it you pay attention you to the lay of the land the as annoying as it is to like navigate these rivers and all that shit. Like it, it makes you interface with like the fucking sprawl and just the goal of building a fucking country this big, you know, like, like it does a great job of that. It is also just like kind of boring and tedious. And I'm looking at my goddamn smartphone because my guy's just <laughs> auto walking for, you know, 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so like when I was trying to give this game my full attention, like it was driving me up a fucking wall. Um, and so like having that discussion with you, Owen, and you being like, nah, dude, don't even fucking do that. Mm-hmm. Um, was like freeing in a lot of ways that were really valuable, but also like I still found myself just sort of like writhing that I had to do that other part. That that like once I started getting a few fast travel options, that was that was very helpful. But it, it also meant that I had to like approach that part of the gameplay like even more than I wanted to because I had to figure out where I was going from from there. You know, like it, it, you guys are making me so curious uh, as to whether, like, what my reaction would have been to this game if I weren't playing it in a situation where I literally could not do anything else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this was the only option. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think, I think if that was the situation, that would have been easier. Um, but, but I'm the opposite, right? I, I, I am the man with too much time and no motivation. And those are der- terrible things to have together. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, thank God there were things to watch. <laughs> but, but again, like the, even the landscapes, even like me being frustrated, I'd still have moments where I'm like, this game is fucking beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it does a really good job of, um, showing the absolute nothing that is the Midwest, which can confirm drove through the Midwest, absolute nothing. Um, but but then, like, when you get to the Rockies or when you get to a coast, like even the Oregon coast in this game is like weirdly right. Mm-hmm. Like there's big ass rocks out there and there's these cliffs. And like like the 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 the, the fun part for me was when I got to places that were familiar to me, I could then trust that, OK, they're doing something similar as far as like capturing that feel in these other places. And that's really cool. Yeah. Um, what was, and, um, and the fact that like the music sort of shifts type. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it seems to be divided into four four quarters of the country. The, yeah. Like it was the, based on the color of the state I was in. Is yeah. Like the, the Northeast, Northwest, Southwest, Southeast, but it, that it's it, the same song and they can flow together is mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, the, um, the music's really good. It, it's really delight, like just really smoothly executed. It's really delightful. There's a very like folksy feel to the whole game. Um, I yeah. I love that there's like both POC voices in it, um, as well as like 
some real unionist leftist shit going on in this game. Well, so I, like, love, I love that the uh, the story of the New York being a workers' utopia and the communist uprising coming out of the basements of the metal workers in uh, North yeah. Carolina are both yeah. viewed as hopeful stories to all people that you tell <laughs> to. <laughs> like they ask me for a hopeful story, and I'm like, New York, a a, a paradise for the working man. And they're like, oh, that's very hopeful, and I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> I like all the stories in this game like like seem to have like this like very common thread of like the, these are these are are stories either about like very marginalized people or by or stories stories about people that like America like as a historical institution would prefer to pretend are invisible and like aren't necessarily but like like uh, America would prefer if they were right you know, but, like, but like that as the storyteller it's your job to spread both yeah um that that both of these have a presence and both of these have a a life of their own um and well, that like and they don't shy away single, from sorry go ahead literally every single character is pretend, pretending to be something that they are not right, right right like when you when you finally reveal that third or fourth tier personality they transform into this like evocative figure both like metaphysically and like in reality, like, you know, the, the preacher man reveals, like, I'm not actually a preacher. I'm a grifter. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That they all they all have some sort of like U-turn mm -hmm. um, uh, is a really interesting thing because the stories often do that, too. Right. That that it 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 goes from being one thing to another and you don't quite catch that in the shifting of it um, is is weird. And. And like a lot of my frustration with the gameplay of it is really just that there were details missing that didn't feel like it was intentional. Um, that that explaining to me a little more about what makes a story hopeful or not, or explaining yeah. to me a little more about the fucking whistling mini game, like or like that that you made tutorials that I found, but that they weren't. Uh, maybe I'm just too stupid for them. I don't know, but like. But like there was an implied nature to them that I missed. So there's there's something about the storytellers that I found uh, really disappointing. Like I I, I like them largely, but the, the the one thing I found really disappointing about them is that, like they'll, they'll tell you like oh I want to hear a hopeful story, I want to hear a, a scary story, I want to hear a so and so story, and um and that's often like not easy to figure out like what this person or what. Yep what type of story my story counts as or, or whatever. But the thing that I found the most disappointing is that when I pick the wrong story, there's not any kind of nuanced um, reactivity to it, that it, it suddenly feels like a very gamified thing that it when feels it, like it, I'm playing like it, a fucking point and click adventure game. And they say, Oh, I wouldn't know how to use that here. You know, it like like that type of it off of you, like so hard. Well, it's yeah, that, um, it's that that man with the. He's like, give me the butter. No, yeah, not that no, one. No, I yeah. don't want that. No, I don't want that. And it's like, god damn it. So so like like it, it, it's just it's just a real bummer because like I think the the characters are really well written. They're they're, they're it it seems like they're written by people who speak from a place of real truth when it comes to like what the the characters are about that that all the storytellers are credited their writers are credited by name every time you encounter them which is kind of cool um, i'm kind of upset that the writer and not the voice act like i want both i want the yeah, voice actor yeah. and the writer in there and that there aren't both is weird um but 
what was I getting at? Um, it's just like it's just like we have these like very richly written characters that like suddenly there's like this yanking you out of it is like no you are talking to a dialogue tree right and not Hash just a dialogue tree but like one but like, just like a really un at least seemingly uncomplicated video game ass one right sure. if, sure. if you have if you have the right things it all flows very well if you don't it rips you out of that immediately well so, so like something i ran into in the late game is um when you talk to storytellers you get their story as well and their story counts as like a wild card that you can use it to meet any type of um, like story request. And so it, that mechanic by itself, I think is like kind of cool, but what it ultimately resulted in me doing is like gamifying the way I talked to the rest of the storytellers where mm -hmm. it's like, I know I have these wild cards in my back pocket. And so I don't want to use them until I'm absolutely certain that I can't give them the story they want. And then I will just give them one of the wild cards and the wild card will of course meet their need. And so it makes the storytellers feel less like people I'm talking to and more like little fucking anima animatronic mannequins, you know, like Tamagotchis that you're feeding a hopeful story to so they don't die. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and like once I realized I was doing that, it kind of like, kind of just bummed me out because I liked all these characters so much and now I'm just using them as like little little fucking Pokemon treats. So the thing that I had mentioned to you, Owen, like a long ass time ago when I had beaten this game and we were we were just sitting around, um, was that the the way this game wants to be played is antithetical to the way we play games yes. on the podcast. Yes, that is something because I thought about a lot. That I yeah. really, I really wish the game at the very beginning would say something along the lines of, "Hey, bro, play this game like ten minutes every other day for mm. a month." Yeah, right. You know, and slow and, drip this game so that the the things it's lacking don't infuriate you. And I think I think that like if I'm the designer, I don't want to have that because it takes people out of the like experience or whatever. But like you're gonna have assholes like me, the iron dumbass, who are gonna play your game wrong and they're gonna hate parts of it that they don't have to because they played it in in a way that punished them for um, internalizing the the ways in which games ask us to play them these days. But, but all, and on top of that, I think also, um, I don't know what the right way to say this, or if there even is a right way to say this, but like, I wish there were like a good way to communicate to the player of like, Hey, if you don't finish this game, like who gives a shit? Yeah. Like whatever the ending was like nothing, right? It was yeah, like, like, it's a non ending. Yeah. Um, the it's game like is the wolf shows back up. He's like, bro, you did it later. Yeah. Yeah, which was like basically a verbal me sighing relief that I was done. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but but like it made me realize that like if I had just picked this game up and just like played it as much as I'd wanted to and then bounced, yeah, like that that would be like a very valid fine. experience. Yeah, and, and like and I don't I don't know if I think there is a great way to communicate that to your player, but like I I, I wish I wish it were. I think I think if you communicated the fact that this game has an ungettable achievement. What okay, so you mentioned this. What is this achievement? So there's an achievement in the game called reach like it's I think the description is you reach the place where the water tastes like wine, and that achievement is not gettable without hacking. Okay. Um Are and it is it is intentionally by the developer not a, an achievement that you could get. 
through thought, gameplay. I thought you're not supposed to be able to do that with Steam games. Um, I yeah, I don't know, but that's that is the intent from the developer is that no one have this achievement. I mean, th- I mean, I love that. Like that's something I would do, but I feel like that's something that like won't fly through cert or well, something it, like that. It, it fits the branding of the game, right? It, mm-hmm. it right. Fits that that you're still chasing something that that. Um... Well, I, I remember in when I when I went to um, San Francisco and and like hung out in a hostel during college on like one of those trips, right? Um, I I ran into this German girl and she was talking about how like every American she'd ever met would because I was talking about how like oh all Americans like view themselves as temporary embarrassed billionaires like everybody either thinks of themselves as petite bourgeoisie or or um, uh, rich, right? Um, and she was like, no, that's not like, sure. Yeah, that, but the thing that I really noticed about you guys is that none of you fuckers are contented. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That we're, we're taught that it's never enough. Right. Um, that, that, that that's like the, the capitalistic standard that we're, we're raised in is that, is that there isn't enough for everyone and there certainly isn't enough for you. Right. Um, is, right. I saw, I saw false, uh, actually, but a, a tweet today which showed it was like, "Yo, if your ceiling looks like this, you don't need to worry about Biden's yes. tax plan." <laughs> yes, the yeah. like shitty fucking, popcorn ceiling. The popcorn ceiling, yeah, I love yeah. it. This show was great. Yeah, uh, you know, the, like the, there's a ton of that of like being mad about Biden's tax plan when you make thirty grand. Like, right. shut up, right. shut up, bro, bro. Um, yeah, yeah I, I saw another one like two weeks ago where he's like, uh, "Bro, do you make four hundred grand a year?" And the person said, "Not yet." It's like, oh god, holy shit. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck with that one. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So this game, truly a mixed bag. Uh, but if, if you're gonna play it, it's a nice. I think it's a nice like wind down, or yes. a nice like thing to play while you're watching that last episode of, you know. Well, and, and don't approach it expecting much back. I think right. I think is a fair warning. Um, like I, this is the game where I would come home from work, I would hit up my friends to play do process. We'd play for a couple hours, then like around like nine thirty ten o'clock, it's like all right, I need to stop playing high adrenaline games. I'm gonna need some dinner. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to play the water tastes like wine until I feel like going to bed and just like hear some like weird stories and just like sort of amble around the U.S. and dick around on my phone, you know, like. Yeah, it's a a good. Yeah, it's a it's a wind down game. It's a game that's going to do what it's going to do. And you're here to experience it rather than try and force it along. Um, There's a part of me that like, even though I'm done with the game and and. We, you know, we've been describing this game in this this big mixed bag language. There's a part of me that does want to open it back up and just track down all the stories. Because, like, it tells you that, like, you have, like, 130 out of 265 stories or something like that. Um, and, I like, I'd kind of like to just n- maybe not even develop them all out. Because, like, each time you tell them, they, they change or whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. just hear, hear them all in their initial initial state, at least. Um, cause I, I, I enjoyed a lot of those. I think, I think some of them are really cool and kind of fun. Yeah. I think uh, it says a, a lot a... about this game that the steam guide I found was useless and that there's no wiki for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it says a lot about how everyone's approached it. Well, and, and also that like, apparently no one's made trainers for it too. Like it just, it just doesn't elicit that type of audience. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't have that type of guy. Um, I found an achievement guide that was quite helpful in like, 
understanding what the game's asking of you on the the like high performance if that even makes yeah, any sense yeah yeah that, that's yeah. something it really doesn't make clear that like my first like three or four hours in the game i didn't talk to hardly any of the storytellers i just sort of wandered the land um and encountered like two and like and it was like at a certain point in the game i realized like oh no i need to like laser focus on these dorks and like figure out what they're fucking oh yeah i was dead set on that from the beginning i uh because it starts you in new england right Mm -hmm. so i just i just did the eastern seaboard and then like bounced around the interior and then california to washington and i I actually ended my playthrough in spokane Um, (laughs) yeah uh tracking down that fucking uh sailor guy oh the the merchant marine i liked him a lot i thought he was really um I, I I I can't think of a single one of the storytellers that I dislike. I think they are all Oh, they're all super interesting. My favorite, obviously, is the Mole Man, the Union Mole Man. Oh, yeah, I, love that I like guy him. A lot. Um I think he had the coolest artwork and also the most uh the story that tugged on my heartstrings the most. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. I was into the poet and the vet. Yeah, I like the poet a lot. When you say the vet, are you mean do you mean the guy by Arlington who's lost a leg? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, the the like the the sort of split nature of PTSD they gave him, I found a really interesting way to display that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think I think that as much as I like don't. I, I think the thing I'm most frustrated with with military supporters is that everyone wants to support the troops until they come home and they have problems. Yeah. So seeing stories about them having problems like Rambo is important. Yeah. Rambo one, by the way, actually really interesting examination of PTSD. Uh, That movie rules. (laughs) And then, Oh man, does that second movie become a Reagan movie? But um, (laughs) the, the, the the lack of storytelling about those things uh, echoes a lot of the problems with how we don't talk about mental illness and et cetera. And, and, and I'm, I'm always appreciative whenever I see something like that, that's executed in a way that that seems thoughtful, mm-hmm. uh, which I think they, I think they did well here. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think a, a distinction I heard made recently is uh, people, people love the troops. They don't love the vets. Oh yeah. That when you, when you become a vet, you're not troops anymore. And, and like well, they might and, say, and they might like say that you're still ideal troops. of the troops and not yeah, the yeah, individual yeah. and the yeah, troops are, are young and tough and gung ho. Yeah, and we need to support them and 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 give them beans, bullets, and band aids. Yeah. M wraps. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go ghost riding them. <laughs> I, I I really like the preacher man. Um, the, the 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 grifter preacher man, and I really liked the porter as well. The awesome walker. The porter was fucking cool. I, I yeah. like that when the porter transforms, he's a man of a thousand masks. Yeah, I thought, mm-hmm. that, I thought that was. I thought it's that like, was he's whatever cool. he's whatever those rich white people need him to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like that a lot. Do you, do really you guys have any favorite? The, oh. I really liked the subversive people of color. I thought that was like mm-hmm. like that 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 acknowledgement of the code switching and those things in a in a like not exactly in your face but matter of fact way mm-hmm. i i appreciated i i liked the oki who wants to become a communist too i thought that yeah. was good <laughs> yeah uh lots of of great yeah yeah uh, uh do you guys have any favorite stories 
Um, I really liked the, I got a lot of mileage out of the dude who like had infinite molasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one turned in a way I wasn't ready for. Yeah. And he was just like, whole town's got molasses now. Hell yeah. And then that story to me is, is like, cause to me, to like, to people in the game, the story is very hopeful and it's very funny. And to me, I'm like, what a weird story. Yeah. yeah. Super weird. But like, then I realized that, like, oh, these people actually give a shit about, like, having molasses or not. Mm, right. right. Like, that the scarcity is real. Right. Like, that's definitely something I experienced is, like, sometimes there were stories that were, like, to me, I thought were, uh, like, in a long view, very optimistic, but are about something incredibly tragic. Yeah. And, like, I would say, like, yeah, man, these people stood up to the man and they all got gunned down. But the important part is that they stood up to the man and they're like – those people died? And it's like, no, but like, shut the fuck up. Like, shut the, fuck up. the message, idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really like, there was a story where a bunch of cows had chased a woman out of her home and forced her to live underneath it. Oh, yeah. Um, that, was, that was a fun one. Um, and then I very much liked the ghosts tricking me in the, uh, I think the it was Cincinnati the, Hall. Cincinnati or the uh, Philharmonic, yeah. Yeah. That was good. Uh, my, my that one turned into like a murder story. It's like they murdered the entire Cincinnati Orchestra. I really is, liked the dead oh. guy who asks you to kill him and it doesn't yes. work and he moves on. That's the one I was going to say. Is he, he uh, you, you you meet a man who is cursed to live and cursed to die. <laughs> so he and he's literally like trying to work this out in front of you. Yeah. And so he's an animated skeleton and he's tired of being a skeleton and he wants you to grind him down into dust so that he doesn't have to be a skeleton. He can just be thinking dust in his words. <laughs> and like you you saw at his toes with a like a nail file or something for like 20 minutes and he's like, "Stop it. This isn't working." <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like cute moments, and oh, and I love that they're all narrated by a single narrator. Well, hold hold on, hold on. I, I want to know how the, Keena, did you use this story much? I did, but I'm trying to remember what it. I don't think it turned into anything as interesting as that, so, so I don't remember I, it. So, if I recall, because I loved the story and I used it every chance I got, because uh, I wanted to see what like what it would develop into. Where's it gonna go? Yeah. And at first, it was like. I, I, I'm trying to remember, like the middle stage was like it was a skeleton who would just like get around and tell jokes because he was he was like sort of a, he was written to be a very silly character. And mm-hmm. then after a while, the story transformed into that like he was like a undead man who did vaudeville acts. <laughs> it was like this is great because like also great. part of the way you meet him is like he is buried in a coffin in the desert and a cactus has been growing on the coffin and he's stuck because there's like cactus roots in his coffin. He's like, let me out, like help, help, like. Come get this cactus off me. Like, yeah, th- this game has some really interesting stuff where, like, it has a lot of good uh, empty room in the stories for you to fill in. One thing that I found very frustrating about the empty room, though, is that once you pick a tarot for a story to go under, the game seems to already know where that story is going, even though the form of the story that you have might not indicate that yet. Yeah, yeah. Right. That it, so, it definitely so has be, an end game that it's going to bend to that you don't have any indication. You, I don't see, but the people I'm telling the story to do, and they yeah. go, "Oh, this story is sad." And I'm like, "It's just a guy in like a room. What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah there's yeah. definitely a couple stories I use a lot where it's like, "Oh, y'all think this is hopeful, huh?" Like, I, I guess, like, I. 
Um, and then I was very, I was very happy about this gamer moment I had, where I found several spots where the part, the spots where your stories that you've told come back in upgraded versions. Um, once you once you pick one, all the other ones on the map light up. So I found a couple of spots where there were two very close by, and I would like cycle between them until all my stories had come back to me. Um, yeah, um, when you. I never looked up the exact towns you told me, but I found a pair of towns where that happened yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like two or three of them that I found. Yeah. yeah. The, the one I found was like just like kind of north of Florida. Um, and so like I, I had like like eight or nine back to back just like come back to me um, and, and get bumped up, which is just good. Do you guys ever hop a train? The only yeah. time I found trains to be useful is when I wasn't trying to go anywhere in particular. Because anytime I was ever trying to go somewhere in particular, the nearest train station like did not take me where I wanted to go. Um, I so hopped on a train once, and uh -huh. the third third tier Quinn was on it, and we had a conversation, and I cleared him. So, so the thing that I'm specifically referring to is at one point the game says that you can like do the hitchhiking equivalent of hopping on a train. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not talking about like going to a train station and paying for a ticket, but like actually train hoboing the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm talking I, about. Right, yeah. I never ran into a situation where I could even like do it. So I was curious like how that works. You have to go to the like train yards. There are specific like spots on the map that are train yards that well, are, don't have okay. anything to do with like a metropole. Instead of it being like a city train station? Yeah. Okay. Because the, the, the train yards will take you to a metropole. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the roads are all one way. Right. That sucked, by the way. Yes, it did. Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes all the roads in an area would be going towards the town I just came from. Right. Like, right. Oh, cool. I guess there was a lot of people saying when I needed to go east. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ergonomics of going around this map, like, I feel like it. it so much of this game just feels like it needs like an outside set of eyes or something. Yeah, I need like a Silt Strider map of the public transportation in this game. Yeah. Also, the map in this game, like when you open your little menu, is kind of unreadable unless you turn off like ninety percent of the icons. Yep. It's like the fact that it tracks your entire trail and makes you like realize what an asshole you've been about zigzagging everywhere was not my favorite. Oh, I kind of like that. Uh, I I like I liked when they added that to Breath of the Wild, where you can just see your your whole journey. Uh, I it's not useful; it's just fun. It made the map harder to read, so I had to. Turn no, for it off. sure, for sure. Yeah. Like I turned it off, but like every once in a while, I'd look at it. But yeah, I basically, I turned off everything on the map except for the storytellers, because like that, that eye on the prize, man. You know. Yeah. It's a game – I think this is a game that, in retrospect, I like, and I'm glad I played it, and I would recommend it to almost nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if I recommended it, I, I, it, it, there would be, like, a non-trivial amount of conversation that I would have with that person yeah. about – their expectations going into it Here's and there would and at the end there would be like this sort of like verbal business card drop of like and if you get stuck hit me up you know or or like if you if you think you're bouncing off it like talk to me and like like maybe i can help you maybe you're just gonna bounce you know yeah well you guys got anything else to say on this game sure is pretty yeah 
The artwork is gorgeous. I love all the drawings. Yeah, like I loved all the art, whether it's the world design, whether it's the drawings. Yeah, like, like the, the map has that like weird, like kind of painted wood grain on mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that that like is is charming. The visual feeling of this game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to this group of people uh, making another game. Yeah. Um, I, I would be excited to see what that is. Um, there's a the, the, there's a really like, interesting interview with like the main designer um, talking about how like part of the reason the game is kind of as disjointed as it is is because he ran out of money. That like he had all these artists to pay and all these musicians to pay and all these writers to pay and he looks up and all of that stuff is done but there's things he wants to fix and doesn't have time or money for. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying is like if if he goes into the next project having learned those lessons having yeah. internalized maybe you know how to be more reasonable in scope yeah i'd be really interested to see what that looks like cuz i think there's i think there's a good game you know a couple of thousand dollars down the line of whatever this is right well, and there's well, definitely hope... like an interesting sort of system of like the stories warping and that stuff that you could revisit in a different way. Yeah, like, there's, yeah. yeah. There's cool things in here that could go into another different game. I mean, look at look at uh, Monolith made two whole games out of the um, that that system with the orcs having names. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Hey, when are we getting any more Nemesis games? By the way. <laughs> Wasn't that like the thing that we all said was going to be in every game and we haven't seen since? Turns out it's harder than, than well, just and also like a lot it. of games say they have it and then they have something that is like not that. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 I love you, XCOM, but like War of the Chosen does not have the Nemesis system. Like, what you have is like fucking Diet Pepsi Zero Nemesis system. It's still great, but not, it ain't that. But what I'm saying is, is I think, um, you know, people looked at that and they go, wow, this is really great. Players sure seem to respond to it. And then they actually got down to like whiteboarding it and they're like, holy shit, this is a lot more complicated. Like this is basically the whole game. Right. It's a lot more complicated and and like system resource uh, as far as like development money intensive than we originally thought. This isn't like something we can staple onto our existing game. This is something you need to build a game around. Well, and and the game is very much built around it in that way that I'm sure it's an 80-20 proposition and they spent their 80% of their time doing it, right? You're not going to make a 70-30 like uh, C-Lab? You know? Um, you know, you know the deal with that, right? No. <laughs> so seven, the, the studio is called seventy thirty because it's two dudes, and one of them agreed to do seventy percent of the work. <laughs> <laughs> the studio's called seventy thirty. All right, um, good. Look at that. It, yeah. So yeah, just we're, we're talking about like work work ethics and stuff. Are you guys ready for the bad standards? Because I feel like that's where we're at. I think no, I am. Bro. Yeah. All right. Um. Holy shit. Uh. Oh, Owen. What's up? Uh, you have a you have a May Borowski in your in your oh, man. old dead hands. Oh man, uh, I, and... <laughs> I think she's yeah. kind of perfect for the job. We're all yeah. necromancers now. I mean, the the themes of this game are weirdly similar to the mm-hmm. themes of oh weird. Owen picked both of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, crazy. You know, weird, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a coincidence. Owen's <laughs> a crazy story, Helen boy. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know what there is else to say. Like, if you, if you think about, if you think about, if you are familiar with Maborowski of Night in the Woods fame, like, like I, I, I think you would get like a, 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 a bit more punched up dialogue. But like, honestly, I don't think the game would look that different. Except the little protagonist would have a cat skull instead of a human skull. <laughs> I also think she digs on the people who dog on her versions of stories harder. Yeah. Because yeah. like Maborowski is quick to fire back. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, no, that was hopeful. That was a great story. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Or like, my baby likes this one better. And you're like, your baby's dumb. Tell me a hopeful story, <laughs> motherfucker. Your baby's dumb. Pulls a knife. Yep. <laughs> fuck your baby. Um, okay. It, story it is like a really back. solitary game. And May is definitely someone who lives by way of her friends. Um, so she she might have a little bit of a hard time, but just wanna just thought I'd cover that. Kind words. Ooh, how many kind words is? Yeah, kind kind words is the game, and you must assign a value between zero and five. I want to give it like a two or three, because, because this game. I th- I think all the a lot of the stories in this game um reach at like a very close personal level. A lot of them speak to like a very like personal and human truth yeah that even though it's all pre-written and not like sourced from the internet um feels very cozy there's a lot of soul to it yeah and and speaking to like anxieties and and um and sharing them yeah like yeah yes sharing stories you know i'm gonna go with a three yeah. No, I'm honestly like a three or a four. Yeah. Yeah. Keenan? Three? Yeah. Three. All right. XCOM. Pick an XCOM. Compare it to this video game. Yeah. And then assign a numerical value between zero and five. There zero. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there is, there is, I don't think a single goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if you, if anyone has anything, now's your chance to say it, but like, I got nothing. I am honestly at a loss. Honestly, the, the type of thing that's going on here, uh, in, in, uh, where the water tastes like wine, XCOM could use a little bit more of that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> A little bit more of the personal touch, a little bit more of the the intimacy. You know, this is this is why I like the latest entry in the series so goddamn much. Anyway, control uh, compared to this game and assign a value between zero and five. Keenan, you answer. I was actually just about to say, oh, and you've been you've been hand on the throttle and yeah. uh, and tiller for for a minute now, um, Keenan. Uh. I'm at a one or a two because they both have this sort of um, unsolvable question feel. Well, there's also an Americana to control. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was about to say, like, um, uh, control definitely has, like, a, a, a whiff of, like, what does America think it's about? Right. Of, of right, like, so, to, I hate to say this, but, like, the collective unconscious of yes. America. And they like, literally mentioned that. I, I booted up control the other day, and that is, like, a thing they say at the beginning, and I knew you, it was a trigger word for all of us. Did you guys um, see Did you guys see the um, 
the thread on Twitter about uh, uh, Worf and the myths he tells himself about uh, the Federation and the Klingon Empire yes. that are not true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we don't have time to get into it, but yeah, like this is not an entirely new school of thought about Worf. Sure. The, the, no, like, like, I, it was the first time I had been exposed to it. it was okay. Very yeah. Because um, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Trekkie in the world, and I just saw sure. it come across my dash, and it it reminds me. For, there's um there is a connection in here somewhere of like you know the this is um you know this game is about the stories Americans tell themselves and the dirty rotten truths underneath and the people who get crushed by these myths, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then uh, control is about <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, well, uh, yeah control you... is more concerned with the materialism of it. Yeah, uh, be- because the objects of power are the things that are doing it, not not people doing things to people, not right? the, or institutions, or they're yeah. the things, they are the things imbued with the myth to such a degree that they radiate it themselves, right? Right, right, and yeah. th- and then and then the thing about control and about the main character in this game is that you're both trying to wrangle it, mm-hmm. right? You're both you're both trying to to at minimum contain it. All right. Um, I'm- I'm about to bring a third game into this conversation here. Whatever. What What do you think the Bureau of Control would think of the man who is so rich that he bends light around him? <laughs> They'd probably have to shoot that dude. <laughs> yeah, or put him in a vault. Yeah. <laughs> I think he goes in the, the menagerie. What's it called? <laughs> the Well, it's a panopticon because the, the, be, the objects have to be observed to keep them from like doing whatever it is they do groping reality Uh, inappropriately yeah oh yeah i i relaunched that game recently because i needed some of that feel and man does it still nail it i would love to throw a four at this game really four Four for control control. i would like to do that but i am willing to hear arguments for lower numbers but we we very rarely get out give out higher than a three yeah, uh, that's and true. I think the, the the thematic links between these games are quite strong. Um, the the uh, the the Ludo links are quite weak, but the thematic links are so strong that I think it's all right. Here's where I needed to be a three, though. I can't second screen control. <laughs> well, that's I need to be flying and shooting and flinging shit at all the interstitial moments on a level that like requires me to think about it. Sure. And this game, like. I cannot play half of it. Well, that, so the the place the place I disagree with you there is that I don't consider walking around the map the game. I consider that the uh, the thing that mentally puts you in the state the artist wanted you to be in for the actual game, which is the fireside conversations. And uh, when I second screened at home when I was playing this game, I paused whatever show I was I was doing so that I could hear what the other person had to say when it was the parts where people were telling me stories or I was sitting around the campfire um, doing that. Like when I'm walking, absolutely I agree with you, but but the actual gameplay, what I consider to be the actual gameplay. The, to, to, to borrow a phrase you used in a different episode, Matt, the show. The show, exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm advocating for a four, and I recognize that it's a tenuous four, and but we don't give out fours, and and goddamn the Americana between these two games, the the struggling with control, the struggling with what America is, and especially how vitriolic and caustic America is to the people in it and around it. Um, All right, I'm yeah. I'm going to talk only to Keenan right now. Okay. Keenan, 
<laughs> yeah. I think he's coming to the negotiating table with a high bid because he knows he can get a three if he starts with a four. <laughs> you, think, you think he's trying to actually get yeah. us to move in the middle? <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is not what is happening. I actually, so my thought, my thinking about the four was I can absolutely get these guys to a three. There is no, <laughs> there's no, like, they're not going to fight me on a three. But I want, I want no, you're a wider range of numbers. That. I want a wider range of numbers. All right, Matt, right. you get a raise. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm fine with a three. I'm fine with a three. Okay. It's really weird that we got there, though. Yeah. Like, like my initial reaction is hell no, but like our entire conversation makes sense. But I'm still like in shock over this. That like, whoa, really? Like, we got here? Well, that, that it's even that it's even feasible. It's like Texas being a swing state. It's like, what? How? Yeah. <laughs> How's that even a conversation? Right. Like, Florida and Ohio don't matter is a yeah. weird thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they never mattered. Keen, you have to say a number. I said three. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, a while I, ago. I, missed, I missed that part. Well, no, because you. We had talked again since there was then. some rambling in and out. I, I, I'm with you. Three, yeah. You didn't. I didn't feel a key turn. Is all I'm saying. Okay. I'm turning my key for three. All right. Yeah, there there reminds me. We have a key turn to discuss after the podcast today. Because uh, our podcast is hosted on Google Music, and Google wants us to know wants to know if we want to transfer to YouTube Music. Yeah. Why not? Sure, Google, whatever. Um, okay, Oberdin. Lots of skeletons. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he makes a good point. It does have the bones, and there's bones in this game. Uh, yeah, yep, 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 bones, two bones, two. bones. Two. Both games are about um, um, stitching narratives. Yeah. And both games have supernatural elements, and both games have... Um, weird uh, uh, Brian Eno quote uh, aesthetic reachings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, two. You should make sure to put that Brian Eno quote in the show notes <laughs> so, so we don't just say Brian Eno note or quote and expect everyone to know what the fuck we mean. I, I don't know what it Brian. means, but my knowledge of Brian Eno and the feelings these games make make this all make sense. It's, it's So I'll just paraphrase it since Keenan doesn't know. It's the quote about how anytime you move on to a new medium, um, people will always look back at the old medium and ape the um, the infirmities mm. of mm. it in the okay. new medium. Okay. Uh, yeah. here, here. Kojima I've, can't let go of movies. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I have um, a computer in front of me, so I have the quote. Do you want to hear it? Sure, yeah, sure. Just say it. Yeah, just say Whatever it. you now find weird, ugly, uncomfortable, and nasty about a new medium will surely become its signature. CD distortion, the jitteriness of digital video, the crap sound of 8-bit. All of these will be cherished and emulated as soon as they can be avoided. Hold on, something just popped up over this quote. Fuck off, Goodreads. Um, <laughs> it's the sound of failure. It's So much modern art is the sound of things going out of control, a medium pushing to its limits and breaking apart. The distorted guitar sound is the sound of something too loud for the medium supposed to carry it. The blues singer with the cracked voice is the sound of an emotional cry too powerful for the throat that releases it. The excitement of grainy film of bleached out black and white is the excitement of witnessing events too momentous for the medium assigned to record them. Brian, you know, why are you so good at lyrics and not sing much? Yeah. Well, this is, anyway. this is what, 
I think I think this is from a book he wrote. Anyway, I pause it. I pause it. Exactly my two. point. He good at words. I don't yeah. hear him wording. <laughs> I, I posit a two uh, on Oberdin for this yeah. for this reason. Uh, yeah. I, I co-sign that too. Yeah. I think two. we could go to a three, but I don't feel like arguing with you guys again. So. <laughs> uh, okay, Gary's mod. Oh, uh, this is this is a very low Gary's mod quotient. Yeah, I think I think I'm feeling a zero uh, because. Yeah. But because the Gary's mod was added because there was nothing dumb and fun. And uh, messy. And messy. Yeah, this game lacks the messy spontaneity. Um, and, and this game has none of those things. It is neither dumb, fun, or messy. Just <laughs> or, kidding, or, it's or, kind or, of fun. Or, or like, like, there's like a there's like another ineffable quality of Gary's mod. It's like, like Gary's mod is like kind of punk rock in its own way, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's glee- gleefully transgressive. Yeah. It's like uh, fucking going into people's stores and just blowing them away in uh, Fuck RP your servers. expectations. Yeah. yeah. Um, Building a rocket out of a bathtub. Uh, yeah. Sick. Sick. Zero? Zero. Zero. All right. Um, what? Does, does this game get a golden toilet skull? I don't think it does. Absolutely not. And then... Does it get a Moira Brown award? That's actually, I think, a somewhat difficult question. Um, I don't think this game cares whether it gets a Moira Brown or I think yeah, it like, yeah. transcends that level of like like, like from a it product it planning needs you to see anything. From yeah. like, from like a planning perspective, it seems to be their design that you will not read all the stories. Like you can. But like, who cares? The whole point is that there's enough of them that you don't need to see them all. Right, right. So yeah, I think it, I think it sort of transcends that that yeah. whole thing um, of of uh, if you uh, if you try to kill Moira Brown by blowing up her city, she shows up anyway. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Cool. What's the next game, Keenan? Mm, it's your pick. Is it? says here on the sheet star sector by um, okay i thought it was in other waters but all right whatever um well weren't we talking about uh well whatever yeah this is fine star sector i definitely don't want to do star sector that's a game i've wanted to do for a while um it is uh best i can explain it is um um mountain blade but with spaceships um it's got very it's got a lot of mod uh connectivity to it uh, you can mod the fuck out of your game if you want to. Um, you can uh, you can illegally traffic AIs uh, across borders. There Hell are yeah. there, there are neo luddites who will try and kill you if you do so. Um, you can become <laughs> you can become a godlike drug addict who's completely addicted to like brain expanding chemicals. Uh, yeah, it just sounds like a great time, you know. Um, it seems like a lot of like systems explosion storytelling bullshit the way grand strategy games hit us but on like an individual ship level yeah i'm really i'm super excited to uh to try this game out it seems like they've made a a simple and uh wide starship combat system um my friend my friend logan said he like played it every day for a week uh, and and got finished with it, so it doesn't seem like it's it's needlessly as long as like 
I may have spent painting the map Calradian purple in uh, Mountain Blade. Mm, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting the Golden Throne achievement in Mountain Blade is... It's fucking rough. Like, I, will, I will remember throwing an axe across a courtyard and getting a headshot forever. But <laughs> it was a pain in the ass and it did take forever. Uh, so... Cool. Well, that's what's next time. I believe it is magic words time, unless you gentlemen have anything else to say. I'm good, man. You can if you wanna... reach us at, at BadPlayStyle on Twitter. Yeah. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at BadPlayStyle at gmail.com. Um, if you want to view our website, you can go to shame.club or shame.business. You can download our podcast anywhere where podcasts are hosted, including right now <laughs> YouTube Music. YouTube Music. I just right. hit the button to migrate our podcast to <laughs> this music service that I am getting off of, I think. Um, I've been a longtime Google Music user, and YouTube Music fucking sucks dick. But if you use YouTube Music, hey, more power to you, and you can listen to our podcast there. You're welcome to do it there. Yeah. Damn, Owen. Yeah. All right, later, y'all. Later. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. and more like it at soundcloud.com slash Bay. That's B-U-C-C-I-B-A-E. Stay fresh. Damn. Damn. Damn.